You're listening to the Quick and Dirty Midwife Life podcast with midwives Andy and Jen. This podcast contains explicit content and adult language that may not be suitable for all listeners. <laughs> all right. We're back for another storytelling showdy. Hello. This is a segment where Jen and Richie don't know what I'm going to ask them about. <laughs> Get interrogated. It's on the fly. If nobody's guessed by listening to this, this is the third episode we're recording. That's why my voice is still fucked. Aww. Go ahead Richie's and tell voice him. sounds totally normal. Three and one. Aww, you're doing great. He's got a smoky, sultry voice. I wish. So, Jennifer. Andrea. Do we sound I, the same right now? Do we? Yes. I think so. Yes, we do. Can you tell which one's which? No. Okay, the question. Yes. The storytelling shorty of today. Mm-hmm. I would like to know the birth slash work slash life. So it could be any of those. Richie, you are allowed to contribute to this episode. Which experience Thanks. humbled you as a midwife? Ooh. A slice of humble pie, if you will. A slice of humble pie. Tricky. Hold place. Or it could be a, a humbled you as a man or humbled you as yeah, I'm thinking. human. So Wheels are turning. You can think about it for a sec. I mean, th- I haven't been, I haven't had my ass handed to me often, which is good. Is there, but I know that, I mean, my very first birth was really humbling. I worked with them for over two days and she was a first timer and I was a first time doula. And they were going to pay me $100 to do the work. And I know. <laughs> My eyes are huge. I know. Um, and they were going to pay me after the fact. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so we worked hard together. I was in the fucking trenches um, pulling out all my brand new doula knowledge. Mm-hmm. And, you know, looking back on it, I didn't know what the fuck. You know, like she had such a complicated picture with her labor and everything that it was not fair to her or me to have that, but it's what builds us, right? So we did it, wound up in a cesarean. Um, I came and visited her in the hospital next day. Um, and then I said, let me know when you get home. And they never got back to me. I mean, it, it had been like a week. And I said, hey, guys, you know, I, I just really like to know if we're going to meet with each other and when I'm going to get paid. And And she goes... First of all, hello, and my daughter is fine. Thanks for asking. And was like so upset that I didn't inquire about how they were first. And that was a really big piece of humble pie to eat. Mm-hmm. To be like, mm, maybe I approached Damn. that wrong. Right. <laughs> um, so that taught me something in that moment. Um I don't know. This is a hard one. Okay. Since I already knew what I was going to ask you guys, I was already thinking yeah. about mine, which kind of okay, makes yeah, it unfair. Sure. So how about I'll, I'll share mine. Yeah, share mine. It might strike something for you. So I, it wasn't just one birth experience. It was actually two that were like a month apart, two months apart. And these ones, and I'm wondering how in depth I want to go with them because I might want to share them for other particular stories. But The first one was the worst shoulder dystocia that Mm -hmm. I've been a part of. And I had seen shoulder dystocias when I was a student. And when you're a student 
And even when you're the assistant, there's not that level of um, responsibility that there is when you are the primary care provider. Yes. So even though I had witnessed these dystocias that were managed by other people, Mm And I, you know, I had studied dystocia. I had studied all the moves. I, I knew all the things I was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I went into births thinking, if this happens, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to follow my checklist. I'm going to use my intuition. Mm-hmm. Well, this particular birth, the client had had a previous, her first baby had had a dystocia, but it wasn't for that long. So I wasn't that concerned about it. And she was in the hospital setting. So I was like, it'll be different, you know. So everything started happening really quickly when we got to the point of like pushing and she's in the tub and I get to her house. And from the time I got to her house, from the time the head was delivered was 12 minutes. So that is not very much time to get my stuff unpacked. My assistant was on the way. So I was there by myself. She had a doula. Her mom was there and her and her husband and the baby's head comes out and I'm trying to be patient. And, you know, I'm trying to wait for the next contraction. But due to her history, I was like, why don't you give me a push and let's just see. I wanted to see if the shoulders were going to move. And they didn't move. And I was like, out of the pool. And so I get her out and I put her in the positions and I have her pushing. I'm, I'm up there trying to wedge these shoulders and the shoulders are stuck in a way where they are just not fucking moving. And I didn't have my assistant there. I mean... In my head, I've got the doula calling out the time to me, and the minutes are just fucking passing. And it's four four minutes now. And everything inside of me is just screaming, like, holy fuck, you have to come out. Like, I have to get this baby out. And I end up doing this move that was like the one that got, you know, I I moved her leg in a certain way that just moved her pelvis. Like, I'm like sweating actually right now talking about it. Just a millimeter that I needed to. And I was able to pull the baby out. And the baby's apgar is like one. Ugh. And it's just really scary. And so then I had to resuscitate the baby by myself. Um, The baby's like breathing was a little off even a couple hours post-birth. I stayed even extra long to make sure that he was okay and had transitioned okay. But it was just in that moment of complete fucking fear. And I was there, like I said, solo. I didn't have anyone to help. I didn't have anyone to bounce off an idea. Like I've been at other births before where we've got a tricky shoulder and I've got really short fingers. And so I've asked someone to step in and help me. Right. You know, like another, this is why we always have two midwives at every birth. So there's two professionals in the room that know how to navigate things just in case for some reason you can't. Right. And I was, I was completely alone and it was, it was, it was terrifying. And it took a lot for me to recover from that birth. And it was just humbling as shit because it made me realize like as the care provider, you can do everything in the, in the prenatal period. You can talk with your client about their history. You can do all the things right. They can do all the things right. And it doesn't mean that when it comes time for that baby to come out, that everything's going to go okay. Right. And it, and it really shook me hard, um, as the provider. Um, and as I was finally like coming down from that one, (laughs) then a month passed and then there was another month and I had my second scariest birth as a midwife. And in this one, um, totally different scenario. This mom was uber healthy. A couple weeks before her delivery, we had, I had heard a, an arrhythmia in the baby's 
um, heartbeat. And we had gotten like um, ultrasounds and everything and baby looked great. And our collaborating doc um, like told me that, hey, safe to, to be at home. But there was still a part of me that was really concerned. Um, something I knew something was going to happen. And I, during her late, she labored beautifully for a first time mama. She did so good. And I listened really intently every time that I did. I checked heart tones. I listened for longer than I usually did. I stood right by her the whole time. And then as soon as we got to the point where she was about to push, I, she started making those like really earthy <laughs> animal <laughs> growls. And I knew the baby was coming and I listened to heart tones and they're under 60. Oh my God. And, um, my, instinct was call 911. So I had my assist. Luckily I had an assistant there. My assistant called 911 and we got the ambulance on the way. And I told this mom, you have to push now. We have to get the baby out right now. And she's pushing, pushing, I'm flipping her around. I'm putting her in different positions. I'm doing all kinds of different maneuvers to try and get my hands around the baby's head to help pull the baby down. And I like, I'm my assistant's trying to get heart tones. They're like nothing. And, um, you know, I wanted, I, I got the scissors ready to cut an episiotomy, but the baby wasn't even low enough to where it would have even made a difference to cut the episiotomy. And so I am just like fucking praying, you know, like telling like just yelling at her to push and, and, you know, um, she's screaming. It was so intense. The baby gets low enough. Uh, I cut an episiotomy and then I'm able to really get my hands around her and we pulled the baby out. And I didn't know if that baby were alive or not whenever I pulled her out and she was very, very pale. And then as soon as she got out, ever she perked up and she was okay. And the EMS had like just walked in the door. Right. And I was like, we're, I think we're okay. We're good. I'm, you know, I'm the CPM and they were so nice. And they're like, okay, great. Congratulations. As I'm like, just sobbing. And then, you know, after that, after that, I had to, do the most intricate repair I've ever had to do on anyone too. Like I had to sit there afterwards and repair this like, you know, second degree tear that I had to like double triple check that it weren't a three third or fourth degree tear. Cause that's how intense it was. I had right. never done a repair like that before. So I just sat, I remember sitting down in their living room before I knew we had to do the repair and I just took a minute to eat something and I just lost it. And I cried so hard because it was so scary. And like, you just have to keep your shit together. Like I'm getting emotional. Think about it now. You just have to keep your shit together because you are the professional in the room and you are responsible for those two lives. And every single decision that you make in every second matters and you, you, you can't fuck up. And the weight of that responsibility from that experience was another just really like, that was a whole pie. <laughs> that, was a piece right. of pie. that was an entire fucking pie. And it just really taught me like, once again, it reiterated like no matter how healthy someone is or no matter how like well they take care of themselves, no matter what, when it comes down to pushing that baby out, it's life or death sometimes in that moment. And yes. it really made me think about how, um, how much I pay attention in the labor process and how much I trust my intuition. And no matter how good those numbers sound, that baby's heart tone, she didn't have the arrhythmia in labor. Sound perfect. Everything was perfect until she was in the birth canal. So, I mean, that was just a really awakening for me. It's terrifying. It was. <laughs> there was a lot. There was a lot of processing for me to do after those births. 
And then there was like even another one that I'm, I, you know, won't even mention on this episode that the happened. Things that we see, next people month. will never, never know. No, I mean it's it's insane what we have to go through in those moments, and then pick your shit back up and go to the next one. Yeah, it's like getting in a car accident, a horrifying <laughs> car accident, and then getting back behind the wheel to drive the car again. Exactly. Like I put all my gear away, got home, had to restock my gear, and I'm on call <laughs> for the next person. I'm like, well. Fuck, like, what am I going to walk into now? I was terrified. I was terrified to attend births after that. You were, but you you did it. But I did it. So those were the two, those were the two births that really, they really taught me a lot. And so you mean humbling in terms of life and death and... For me. and Right. Yeah. Like, you can take that question that I... <clears throat> That's kind of the went. things that came up in my mind, too life or death yeah. situations yeah it's I mean, like they stand out the, the most out of anything you right. can probably think of a million situations that are humbling in your life mm-hmm. but the ones that really stick with you are usually to me well either heartbreak or near-death experiences mm-hmm. they like completely change how you perceive things like it, it changed what i knew about it, it and like i guess i walked i before those I kind of walked into births having mostly good experiences for the Mm -hmm. most. I hadn't seen too many tragic things happen and I had never seen them as the midwife. It is totally fucking different. I've been at births with you where you've had to cut an episiotomy more than once, cut Mm -hmm. an episiotomy or like the cord snapped, you know, those types of things were like, as the assistant, I felt a sense of responsibility to help and make sure that people live, but not as much as you feel it right and i know that you it's it's just totally it's just different. different when i get called into a birth as a doula or an assistant i'm like Woo! yeah that's right it's fun and it's free i don't have to bring any shit i this is not on my shoulders like it's a totally different it's totally feeling. different so my student was with me before you you arrived a couple of weeks ago for a delivery and the baby's heart tones were in the 80s and it didn't make sense why it suddenly happened and we were trying to put it together and I had to get that baby's heartbeat right back up. I didn't know how far dilated that mom was. And it was like six minutes of, okay, this, okay, this, okay, this, okay, this. And we were doing all these corrective measures and the baby came around and then the baby was born like 15 minutes later. Um, But it was scary for me, you know, and anytime that happens, that's scary. And the student at the end of it was like, that was great. Yeah. Right on. You know, and I'm like, you weren't scared one minute. She goes, no. And I'm like, that's because you weren't the midwife. Mm-hmm. And she goes, I don't know, Jen. She goes, I think that maybe, you know, you being all, she was kind of, she wasn't making fun of me for needing to have my adrenal glands rubbed down, but she was kind of making fun of me for needing my <laughs> adrenal glands rubbed down. Like I was, you know, you came to the birth, Andy, and you were like rubbing on my back and just like helping me like get back into my body after that experience. And she's like, I don't understand. And I'm like, you don't understand. You must have been pretty confident then at the time. I do. When I when I handle emergencies, I am present and not freaking out. Crystal clear. Same. I'm the same way. So much so that my client with the shoulder dystocia, like, she felt great about her birth. And it wasn't until I had to break it to her at our six week visit and say, I don't know if you should deliver at home again yeah like that was that was really intense and i'm glad i didn't want to ruin her birth experience but yes. 
you know, I had handled it really well. Both of them I had handled really well. Right. But when the team leader loses their shit, everybody loses their shit. You can't shit. lose. You're not allowed you to. Cannot you cannot do shit. that. Because even if you have to convey hard information that is scary for a person to deal with in the time, if you're gone, they will go with you. I mean, period. And mm-hmm. nothing gets done. And so it's a really awesome, like truly awesome experience to have that responsibility. And I don't mean awesome like cool. I mean awesome like, like filled like with the actual yeah. words. Yes. Awesome. Yeah, that was a great share, man. Yeah. You're a good midwife. Look at you. Thank you. Get those that, babies out. Those those were some experiences. Yeah. I had a humbling experience more in that vein. Um, but not life life and death. But we I was a student and we were dealing with I was a primary student, so I was the acting midwife with other midwives around me helping me. But this woman had been horribly, horribly sexually abused in her past. And in her prenatal visits, she behaved like an adult who was in their body and very reasonable and very easy to relate to. When she went into labor... She reverted into this petulant, stubborn baby child. I mean, talked like a baby, acted like a toddler, and had to have her husband as the gatekeeper for communication. He had to talk to her. She baby talked back to him what her needs were, and he would control the room on who was touching this mom, who, what we could do or say, um, it was really, really intense to watch a grown woman have to go back to that place and try to navigate that and keep it healthy and functioning. Mm-hmm. That was very difficult. When things were happening inside her body that she did not understand because she was in that space and also because she was laboring and we're like... <laughs> We skyrocket out of earth anyway. Trying to bring her with me to explain what was happening so she would stay a little bit grounded and not lose her shit was extraordinarily difficult because she would bite bite back if your tone was wrong, if your touch was wrong, if whatever. And for whatever reason, I was the only one that could talk to her. She was really damaged. Yeah, poor thing. And so... I, I had to be the one to, to catch the baby. None of the other midwives were allowed to touch or talk. And so when she's squatting down, she decided to do the birth stool. And the baby was coming and I wasn't allowed to touch. I was just allowed to tell her what was happening. Um, I, I was telling her, okay, the head's coming, but you know, this is happening. And and the head was coming up and going down and coming up and going down. You know how they do right before they crown mm-hmm. and come out. It was a very overwhelming time for her. So a uh, a contraction came right after she had taken a r- great big drink of water from her husband. And it surprised her and it made her very angry, which was a normal reaction for her during her labor. Like the contractions were, were very angering. And so she gets this fiery look in her eye looks me right in the face, pierces my soul with her gaze like I was her, I was the one who hurt her. Mm -hmm. And she spits her water all over my face 
Oh, and, shit. And, and, and she goes, I hate this. And I just sat there soaked with somebody's mouth spit and water. And the midwives are aghast. Like everybody goes silent. And they're all looking at me and waiting like, for me to make my next, my next move. <laughs> and so I looked at the midwife to my left and I go, get me a towel. <laughs> like I have to catch this baby, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And so I had to have other midwives wipe me down while I had sterile gloves ready to catch this baby of this very angry, damaged woman. And I handed her this baby and she just in the, like a flip of a switch turned into the most loving, nurturing person to that baby. And it was so paradoxical for my brain that I had to leave the room. Yeah. What a fucking trip. That was humbling. Yeah. Wow. That's, it was weird. That's a (laughs) (laughs) very intense. Was that her first baby? It was her second. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Wow. So there you go. Way to hold the space, Jen Chester. <laughs> cuck holding the space. Way to cuck, cuck hold the space. space. That's, Good God. That's intense. That was very, you know, I think that sometimes our work is demeaning. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not respected in a lot of regard anyway. But then to go through that and tr- and have to check your head every fucking minute is really tough. Mm-hmm. It is tough. It's hard work. There you go. Wow. Humility. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. It's good. Richie, do you have anything to share? So many. <laughs> how, how much more time you got? <laughs> Jen's got to go in oh, I gotta less go than in 10 like, minutes. Oh, we got to go. Well, this is a shorty too. Um, I don't know. There's too many. I mean, like, they're, you know, from, again... The uh, answer everybody could give is becoming a parent. I mm. hope that humbles people. It should. I hope yeah. you become a different person, see life from another perspective. But yeah, near death experiences, people dying in your life. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I almost had a dude, this guy I worked with, he fell from a ladder through a uh, like a big opening, basically like two stories high almost. Fell through this. This mm-hmm. big archway. He was up on a ladder. The ladder slipped. He fell out of this room, and I didn't hear anything for a couple minutes. I had to walk out. I thought I, I was like, "He's probably dead." I walked Good out God. there, and his ankle and his wrists were both broken. So I had to call the call the ambulance and stuff. And luckily, what was nice is like other people that I worked with were calling me and like asking me how I was. They're like, Aww. you know, in this situation, you know, we, I feel like they're like. Nobody really asked the person that was there, like, how they are. I was like, I was pretty shaken up. <clears throat> so thanks for asking, you know. Yeah. But I felt terrible for him because I was, like, the foreman on the job. I wish I could talk right now. Sounds like I'm <clears throat> getting emotional because of my voice. <laughs> it's okay to let it out. Let it out. This is a safe no, space, I'm Richie. Full of mucus. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so it sucks because the dude is, like, a good musician, and he was supposed mm. to have a show that night. And he broke his fucking oh, wrist, yeah. so he wasn't playing, obviously. No, but I was like, man, I, I, of course, you always think when shit happens to people around you, like you could, you could have done something to help, but like, right, he wasn't being the smartest either. Yeah, well, and that's scary I was to just see. happy that he was alive and conscious when I saw him. So, yeah, yeah, it makes you think twice about the steps that you're like, 
quite literally the steps that you're taking and what you're doing. Mm. There was a time that Hutch and I almost died on, we were driving to, uh, to Del Mar one night and the road was a little bit wet Mm. and we fucking just did like a full 180 across like four lanes of the highway. It was like slow motion. I thought we were dead. Like I, it was one of those times where I'm like, this is it. This is how I go. Isn't we it both, weird in those? And I've had the same thing. You're almost thing. at peace for a minute. Like, you're just like, what are you going to do? You yeah. just let go. You know? not fighting. Yeah. Yeah. And scary. he was shaking the whole rest. And I was just like in disbelief. I was laughing. I'm like, I can't fucking believe well, we it's, just didn't get killed. It's funny how we people respond. Yeah. yeah, too. Like, for you, coping was laughing and yeah. like, holy shit. Yeah. You're probably not making that big of a deal out of it. Well, That's what it was. I felt bad for him because he was so freaked out, but like it made me chuckle a little bit too. I'm like, dude, just be happy we're alive right now. Yeah. You know? It's intense. But, uh, yeah. And then, of course, when he killed himself, that uh, that was tough as fuck. So. Yeah. That's very humbling. That one was hard. Makes you think a lot about life and your experience with it when that happens yeah <sighs> well suicides are tough because everybody thinks that they could have helped you know mm-hmm. so if you consider that humbling i mean to me that puts everything in perspective i feel like that's what humbling is yeah I'm sure there's other ways to see it you know you hear like fighters talk about how they're humbled when they get their ass kicked like it takes you down a peg or two i'm actually looking up the definition of it lower in parentheses, someone and dignity or importance. Yeah. I mean, so yeah. Decisively I mean, defeat another team or a competitor, typically one that was previously thought to be superior. Yeah. So something that, that defeats you. I mean, that's like yeah. things that knock you down in life and yeah. hopefully rebuild you even stronger. Yeah. So this also says made less proud, especially by awe or admiration or yeah. by gratitude for help received. For my experience in midwifery, it's just been like, holy shit, um, that can happen. And I don't have control over everything like I might think that I do. And always be prepared for the unprepared type stuff. Yeah. Not every birth, because most births end up okay, doesn't mean they're all going to. Right. And at any moment, they can. Yeah. Trying to snap in here, change. But I mean, it's the same, it's the same with life. And when you lose somebody, too. Yeah. You know, you don't know, you don't know when people are going to go. And so I think that that really humbles you and how you spend your days sure. with your loved ones or whom I just to strangers on the street too. I mean, it, and you realize how precious life is too yeah. at that point, like how, I don't want to say insignificant, but almost the opposite really. Like we're all just fleeting, you know? Mm-hmm. So you really like, I hope a lot of that stuff can almost make you not take life as seriously like death to live lighter like live just live like just live while you're here and live and love and that's all you can do yeah all right live and live and live and love Jen bailed on us Jen bailed she bounced out so I guess that's the end of this episode thanks for listening in to us guys we love you toodaloo toodaloo The Quick and Dirty Midwife Life is hosted by certified professional midwives, Jen Jester and Andy Webb. Produced and edited by Richie, the Meat Man Burke. Music created by Richie Burke and Andy Webb. This show is intended to make you laugh and maybe teach you a little. It is not intended to provide medical advice. Please consult with your healthcare provider regarding your own personal care.